name is Matthew Dawkins, and I am joined by my co-host, Dixie Cochran. Hello there. And Eddie Webb. Hi. Ooh, ooh that Very was a delayed hi. Mm. Are you all right? I'm, uh, yesterday I went out uh, for lunch in person with someone for the first time in what? a year. You did what? Yes. That, uh, that's that's not a thing people do. Containment Right, right. <laughs> um, no, uh, 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 Danielle um, had come, it was in, visiting Atlanta, and she was like, hey, do you want to have lunch? And I'm like, sure, when do you want to get online? And she's no, I mean, like, in person. I'm like, wait, what? Is that a thing you're allowed to do? Um, but we were both vaccinated, <laughs> and Atlanta's been pretty good about introducing outdoor uh, uh, dining. So, yeah. um, so much so that the first couple of options we looked at were either closed or full. So we did find we eventually find a place to eat, um, and so we sat and talked for a couple of hours, like Danielle and I are prone to do. Um, we nice. both got sunburned, so that was that was good. I said, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm just kind of. It was. It, I, I'm glad I did it. And I I felt better than I thought I would about it, but I'm still kind of like weirdly emotionally exhausted from having lunch. So yeah. I could see why. I can, I can definitely see why. The uh, the two times I have been out socially with people since uh, lockdown uh, to have socially distanced drinks uh, have both left me feeling quite exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just because it's such an unusual experience. It's not like I haven't been out of the house, uh, mm-hmm. but it's different when you're in a social setting and among several people and talking to several people uh, in a short space of time. So, yeah, I completely understand your low-key high now. <laughs> low-key high. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, sounds like a mantra. It took me a minute to realize what you meant. I thought you meant that Eddie was low-key high right now. And I was like, I was like Eddie doesn't do that. Uh, but I, th- I think that could work as well. Eddie, do you have a low-key high right now? <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. You should save that for after the Bathcast recordings. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Noon on Wednesdays, blaze it. Right, clearly it's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so our episode today, uh, which we've already recorded once, and of course that was a uh, dreadfully aborted experience, sadly, uh, but hopefully we'll have some new answers for each other, given that it's been a week, is what game do you think you're playing? Or rather, what games are you playing right now? I was say, what, what game do you think you're playing? You're playing one game, but secretly it's a different game. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, last time we came up with all kinds of interesting responses. We've done an episode like this before that is recorded and is available in the archives. You can find it if you wish, uh, just to see what difference there is in the games we were playing two years ago to today. I doubt we can remember. But yeah, uh, let's let's get this show on the road, shall we? We shall. Bye. Uh, yeah. First of all, first of all, as we've been speaking about outdoors, Enos, and meeting people, uh, I guess the big question right now from me is whether gaming at the table is coming back, and uh, how lockdown has been interfering with gaming. So mm-hmm. uh, let, let's uh, start with you, Eddie. Uh, have you started gaming in person again yet, or did it never go away because of your household? Actually, um, yes and no. Uh, so, like, on the one hand, I'm also I'm gaming more than I was pre-lockdown because I had uh, three in-person games I was playing in before lockdown, and now I'm in five games? Question mark in my head. Because um, because online has made it not only easier to play but also to play with people i don't normally get to play with uh so for example um my wife uh was running um one of the D uh you know campaign in a book settings um yeah uh, fall of avernus and mm-hmm. uh during you know who could we invite to the game and, and we're just going you know actually some of our, our our friends in the uk we haven't seen in a decade uh, and you know we could play in the afternoon for their evenings, so we reached out to them, and a number of them actually were very keen. So we've been playing with with them for close to seven or eight months now, uh, and that's been a load of fun. That's just again a gaming group game experience wouldn't have had if it hadn't been for online play. Yeah. Um, but 
because there's three of us, uh, you would think that we would be playing games just three of us the whole time, and we haven't. Uh, and for a long time, I was like, maybe we're just done with playing, you know, board games and the like. Uh, but then um, the past month has been the Kickstarter board game backlog has been hitting. Oh mm-hmm. no! So like every week, a new board game shows up in the mail. <laughs> 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 um, and so uh, David's been like we should start playing these. And I was like, you know, actually, I think I, I'm really keen to do that now. So we've been playing about once a weekend of these, these brand new games. There's some really interesting ones I'll get into at that time. But um, so that in-person gaming has been started. And then uh, one of the games we're in, uh, Dave was running. So he's reached out to uh, everyone and we did an online game to kind of remember what we did a year ago because it's been a year yeah uh and during that it was actually done really because he's like um I, it's okay if we want to get back together because we hosted our house um everyone needs to be vaccinated before they can come into the house but if you are um and if you want to that's cool if anybody wants does says they don't want to play and play you don't have to give a reason just say i'd rather not i'd rather stay playing online and we'll just play this online for as long as we need to uh, and everyone was like, no, actually, we do really want to get together again. Um, we're all friends, so we all know each other, trust each other. We all know we're getting vaccinated. We all got the exact same vaccine, interestingly. We all got the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, that wasn't intended, but it just happens. Brand loyalty. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. We have to we have to get a tattoo <laughs> of Pfizer now, I guess. Yeah, shaved into the side of your head or something. Oh, there we go. That, that's a good yeah. one. I'm um, not doing that. Just <laughs> But you have space. <laughs> I, I, and I'm not doing that. Okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's, I think it's probably going to happen. I think in a month, uh, we're going to start doing that. And also, uh, the other thing is David loves to cook. So he always makes like way too many snacks even before COVID. So now it's going to be just like a, a ludicrous amount of snacks are probably going to happen <laughs> this first couple of games. <laughs> what about you, Dixie? Have you been doing any gaming in person or is most of your gaming still via, uh, zoom or stream or the like? I'm not vaccinated yet, um, although at the time of this episode coming out, I'm getting my second vaccine tomorrow. Uh, so per CDC guidelines, I have not been hanging out indoors with other people um, because I'm not vaccinated yet. Uh, but once I am, and I wait those two weeks so it all sinks in and everything, then uh, yeah, I actually have plans to get together with some of my local friends and my neighbors, uh, probably do some board gaming. Uh, weirdly, a lot of freelancers live in my area. Like a lot of RPG people live around here. There's mm. actually a meetup that I think used to happen um, by the guy who does Cats of Cthulhu, Joel. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like there's like a meetup that used to happen for like local RPG designers. So there's apparently a lot of us. Um, so at, at some point I'd love to go to that, but if nothing else, uh, a lot of the OPP freelancers like Megan Fitzgerald and, uh, Rose Bailey, uh, live near me. So going to get together with some of them, um, play some board games, hopefully maybe play some tabletop. My downstairs neighbors, we've talked about getting together, even just like playing Jackbox games, but like in the same room, like you're supposed to. <laughs> Right. It's supposed to be a party game that you play in one room. I know mm. a, a lot of us have adapted it to play online. And it, it's funny because you forget you're supposed to be in the same room. And then every now and then it'll say, like, give us your best dance moves. And we're like, uh, from the shoulders up, I guess. <laughs> 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 but yeah, you're all supposed to be in the same room playing it like on your phones or tablets or whatever. So yeah, hopefully we'll get back to doing that soon. Um, but yeah, no, that's 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 my, my, my plan. Uh, May 29th is the day that I'll be like allowed to go out around people. Not not out around people. I've been out around people. But, <laughs> You'll like, be unleashed. <laughs> I mean, I've like done a few things like just going on walks with a couple of friends where we like take our masks off because we're all outside and like they're both vaccinated. Right. So yeah. the chances of me getting it are like slim to none. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where like I think we all have a bit of anxiety and have to ease back into it. Like especially yeah. those of us like me who naturally have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like... I've adapted to this now, <laughs> and this is now my life. I, I sit indoors all day, and I wear pajamas, and I don't go outside. Um, but so, I yeah. suspect for you, it's probably also a lot of conflict because you're also so naturally extroverted. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been hard because like a lot of times uh, people will get on one of the discords I'm in like late at night and chat. 
and I have accidentally stayed up way too late several times because I've been like, people, people to talk to. Hello, people to talk to. <laughs> right. How are you doing? Hi, friend. Because uh, it, it, it does energize me. I mean, y'all y'all know me at cons. I'm always like the last one to go to bed, last one to get to the table in the morning, um, which is nice because, you know, our ops people know to schedule me for noon shifts. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I, I expect I'll jump back into it pretty quickly. Uh, me and my boyfriend have talked about going up to uh, this, this little town in Maryland called Frederick. It's like an hour-ish north of us where we um we, we like to go there. They have really good restaurants. They have a, a nice comic shop. They have a really good women-owned distillery. Probably go there and hang out at some point. Maybe buy buy some books and comics and things in person. Wow. Exchange money for goods that aren't necessary. Wood for My sheep. Goodness. <laughs> I will give you currency for unnecessary goods from my hands. <laughs> but yeah, so currently not playing in person, uh, but probably will be by the time Onyx Pathcon rolls around and I'm glued to my computer all weekend. Right. Yeah, I've had, uh, well, I've, um, <laughs> I've had, as I mentioned, a couple of occasions where I've met up with friends. We've been socially distanced in a garden, had a barbecue or something like that, but none of us interacting with each other in close proximity with the idea that we might play a game and i'll even bring along the gaming stuff this was uh, for my regular gaming group i would bring my pen dragon stuff along although we finished that campaign now and uh, inevitably we wouldn't play because we just had despite the fact we've been seeing each other every single week on camera we have so much more to talk about so much more interaction in person mm -hmm. and so uh, i've uh, i'm at the point now where i'm like i feel like i'm living a prison sentence and i'm counting down the days until release because i have uh really grown very tired uh with um, with appearing on camera uh yeah. with running games where i'm where i'm visible in that way I'm a lot more conscious of it now, not in a vanity way, but just in a, it, 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 I'm not enjoying it anymore. Uh, and I, now that I have tasted freedom, <laughs> uh, I am very much looking forward <laughs> to being able to get back into that. Uh, so no, I, I, just like uh, yourself, I have not been over anyone's house yet to run any games or anything like that. But once I am, I can see myself saying, thank God, I don't have to run games uh, with on camera for quite a while until Onyx Path. Come on, look out for that. Uh, I'll be. Would you my still be best. running like eight thousand games for your Patreon? Yes, but I never do that on camera. We do it audio oh. only. Oh, that's oh, okay. nice. Okay. Uh, I much prefer audio only games. Uh, it, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. I feel it makes the players feel a lot more comfortable as well. Uh, and certainly that's the feedback I get. And it has never interfered with a, with a game. I imagine if the GM... I'm a fairly florid GM when it comes to descriptions. So for better and worse. Uh, so that means that if you're an auditory player, you know, you respond to these kinds of things, then great. That's fantastic. And hopefully you can visualize it. Um, but yeah, because I don't really use props uh, I and I don't make people appear on camera or anything like that. I don't feel the need to appear on camera. Um, but yeah, uh, so, well, but on the subject of appearing on camera and running games online, we do, of course, have <laughs> Onyx PathCon coming up in June. And I promise I'll be in a better mood about that kind of thing then, because it's very different running a one-shot than it is. Just, just know that every time Matthew's on camera, he's hating it. He's just seething. Uh, internally, I may be, but I'll be projecting absolute confidence <laughs> and optimism <laughs> about the entire scenario. After all, it's only three to four hours of my life and uh, the same amount of time with yours if you stick with me the full duration. And also, I wonder if some of that will change in our heads because there's a difference between I have to do it this way and this is one of the many things I could possibly do. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think right now the reason I'm so fatigued with it is because it is the only way I'm getting to socialize. 
Right. Uh, and while I can't see myself getting like that, meeting people in person, because I managed to live my entire life like that until COVID, <laughs> uh, I, I imagine that in a few months' time, I'll be a lot more comfortable appearing on camera again on the regular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I we, totally we have that. been... But we, we've been playing games together, of course. Yes. Uh, we have been playing some Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yes, mm-hmm. we have. And we do that on camera. And there yeah, I am, a, it's seething away. <laughs> it's a different kind of on camera, though, because it's so chill, because we're not broadcasting it. Right. And yes. we're not doing I it think for that's, like, fans. Like, yeah. We're all just friends. Yeah, that is a big difference as well, whether you're broadcasting it or not. Or not. Well, yeah, because um, like when like we do consulting detective, I can show up with like no makeup on and my hair and a messy bun and not worry about it because y'all are my friends and you're not here to judge my appearance. We're here to right. play Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah. Whereas if I'm on stream to promote Onyx Path, I probably have my hair done. I probably got makeup on. I probably, you know, I'm 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 wearing something a little nicer than I wear when we just like chill together. So yeah. Uh, another piece of reason why I I find doing it on camera helps for for. Consulting detective specifically is because there are some physical props that come with the game mm-hmm. and being able to kind of point to the camera. Hey, look at this article I found. Um, there's a, a, a specific component of that game where that is interesting and fun. Uh, and I could just take a picture and put it in the chat or I could just describe it in chat or whatever, but the, the kind of, Oh wait, I, I found a thing or being able to gesture at something does add a moment to consulting detective specifically. So I mean, that's another piece why I think the camera works for that particular game. I've only got the PDS. I can't gesture to anything. I know. You can I mean, buy if it. you had a monitor screen, behind you, know. you, yeah, yeah. If you um, move one of your monitors to behind your head, you could gesture with a thumb. Just like floating in the air yes. behind my head? Yeah. yeah like I'll, you're I'll some 90s hacker. You could have all these monitors <laughs> with props on flickering between the screens. Uh, but we, we've spoken about Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective before on here, but we haven't mm-hmm. specifically spoken about the Carlton House Mysteries, which is the uh, current box set we are working through. Eddie, would I you like, like to tell house. the... No, I don't either. It's... I wouldn't want to live there, that's for damn sure. Yeah, no, everyone dies there like every three days. It's, it's so awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, could you tell the audience something about Carlton House Mysteries? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, we're we skipped the first box set, um, but we're playing them roughly in release order. And so like with a lot of games, when you put out uh, supplements, new things get added with each expansion. And the nice thing about the consulting detective games is that they are self-contained. So you don't need to like own the first set. In fact, I don't even own the first set yet, uh, but um, there's still kind of a, a progression. And so we did uh, the red box, um, which is basically more of the same as the first set, um, West End Adventures, but then there's also the Jack the Ripper Murders, which were a linked four adventure set that we skipped because I had played it previously, and I saved my friends the time of having to suffer through that. So we just said we're not doing that. Uh, but with the uh, Carlton House and Queen's Park supplement, it's the blue box for the people who are interested. Um, they, the added wrinkle they had is that some of the locations take place in what appears to be a rented mansion called Carlton House? Yeah, I don't know, like a public mansion that you can rent out for events. Yeah, it, it, it may like well have apartments in it. Well, yeah. that's the thing. When I first saw it, I thought, is this a mansion with lots of apartments in a very nice part of London, perhaps? Uh, and yet, I think each time we go there, the rooms and the purposes of them have changed. So, it's right. it's a contrivance. <laughs> Uh, it, to get a map of a single is. location rather than having to publish five different maps for five different cases. Right, and I, I think that's it. it the, 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 the added thing was that rather than moving all around London in each location being a single place, um, this was a chance to actually do clue-style moving around rooms and comparing room distances and who was in this room on this floor at this time kind of stuff. Um, but you're right. It, it's the people move in. Within a week, something terrible happens. Sherlock Holmes, or in this case, us, or his B-team, go to investigate. Um, B-team! Find out what's going on, uh, <laughs> and then Sherlock Holmes berates us, and then they move out, and then new people move in, and then within the week, something bad happens to them. And it's like, so why would you live here? This place is terrible. People have been murdered here. People have... <laughs> one, one guy got hung. I mean, it was just awful. 
Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. I, um... Uh, it depends on if his neck was broken. I believe that is the uh, distinction. Oh, really? If, uh, okay. Yes. Uh, if you are hung from the neck, you are strangled. If you're hanged, your neck is broken. Execution advice from Matthew Dawkins. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back on the uh, best gun with which to perform an execution. Uh, but now a word from our sponsors. Uh, Carlton House Nooses Incorporated. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. no but, because there's a... F- there's a famous uh, overheard exchange on a uh, train to London from the early 20th century, late 19th century, uh, where a child is saying to their mother, uh, why was daddy hung, mummy? And she berates him and says, your father was hanged, Timothy. He was not a pair of drapes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so there's there's a decorum to this kind of thing, uh, but yeah, my my experience with the Carlton House mysteries is that it isn't quite as good as the previous two box sets, but mostly because, uh, and I know we mentioned this when we recorded prior, um, I I really like the thing the the the, the distance measuring in the first box set yep. where the map is a more integral part of the game. It's a real interactive prop in that sense. Mm, um, yeah. The fact that it felt like you were traveling all around London and getting almost a picture of the different parts of the city, uh, depending on the nature of the case. And Carlton House, while I completely understand the game designer's thought process behind, well, how can we make a third Sherlock Holmes box set? Well, I think a fifth one uh, in actual terms. Because it's an right. old release, isn't it? That's been re-released. Yeah, um, the two of them get packaged yeah. together in one bigger box. Yeah, yeah. How can we? Uh, how can we make the, this box set different? I know we'll set it all in one big house, just like Clue. And mm-hmm. again, I understand that, but for my tastes, it doesn't have the same, uh, I guess, trotting feel of the other Sherlock Holmes ones. Even the Jack the Ripper one, which made the East End of London a little flavorful i thought even though the cases themselves weren't terribly satisfactory this one is just a bit hollow for me i still enjoy the sessions don't kick me out but no 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 uh, no. um (laughs) but i mean the jack the ripper ones i will say in their benefit is because they all take place in Whitechapel, and i think it scratches the same itch where it's like you're going to lots of different locations inside this smaller area and you're learning how everything kind of connects um but it makes more sense that you could have multiple reasons to explore Whitechapel than it says multiple reasons to explore the exact same damn house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, like, I, I didn't play the Jack the Ripper ones, obviously, but, like, mm-hmm. I, I did play, you know, the other four cases in that set and then the Carlton House ones. And, yeah, like, like I I think you mentioned last time, uh, Matthew, like, it, it just kind of feels like Clue sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're just kind of like, I'm in this house. I'm going to different rooms. I found the murder weapon. Okay. Yeah. Oh look, I'm dead. Exactly. Guy. A lot of knocking on doors, and it's funny because I think a lot of people have fond memories of Clue, when really it is just a guessing game. That there, there aren't really many clues you can find. <laughs> it just becomes a right. process of elimination, and who stumbles upon the best combination at the end. Uh, as long as you don't make the mistake of getting two out of the three right, because then the next person will just get it. Right. <laughs> um, so, but but anyway, role-playing games is our primary business here at the Onyx Pathcast, mm-hmm. and so we should talk a little about the role-playing games we have been playing, because we may have some recommendations for listeners, uh, games they may not have heard of or played. They may enjoy our descriptions. So, how about you, Dixie? What have you been playing recently? I haven't done too much role playing game like the tabletop role playing games outside <laughs> of uh, cons and things. So I've I've done a fair amount of one shots over the past year, or like two shots here and there. Uh, but past that, I recently played my my Cyberpunk Red game that I did with, with Warple Tales, which went for twelve weeks. Um, so that was fun. We we wrapped that up a couple of a few weeks ago. Uh, I played a couple of Changeling the Lost games uh, with Tom Muir on the Onyx Path channel. All those are up on VOD on uh, YouTube if you want to watch them. They're called the Spree Park 5. They're set in an abandoned amusement park in Berlin. 
So that's very cool. It's a setting that, that Tom is very into. Uh, if if that, that sounds familiar, you might have seen him run the same setting for Redmond Roleplaying a while back. That's uh, a setting that he loves to play with. Um, but I highly recommend those because Tom Muir is an amazing storyteller and very fun to listen to. Yeah, we do have uh, some of those episodes over on the Onyx Path YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. which is always worth checking out, I can say, for the listeners, if you're interested in any of our games. We've got actual plays of pretty much every single one of them now. <laughs> Everything that's been released so far, there there should be an actual play for it. Uh, so it, it, if nothing else, it can help you understand the rules, uh, it, even though the setting may well be subjective, depending on the uh, storyteller. Mm-hmm. Coming up soon, I will be on an Exalted Essence game over on Vorpal Tales, uh, which Ooh. is very exciting. I might have just announced that, but that's okay. a lot of people very excited about Oops. Exalted Essence. <laughs> I mean, it is it is soon. I don't know the exact date that we're starting it, but that's like a, a little preview game we're going to run for four weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. So it'll be the first ongoing Exalted Essence game that nice. we streamed as opposed to a one-shot. So I am very interested to see how the circle like evolves over the course of, you know, four episodes so yeah that'll yeah. be very cool uh you were um, in a then, squeaks in the deep game as well were you not i was yeah I, I i played squeaks recently with eddie um and some of our our other writers and friends mm-hmm. and that was super fun I, I i always like playing with with y'all if i can um just because you know we all love these games so much we all work on them Indeed. so and and i i like playing a little mouse named laszlo snaptail uh <laughs> Who does not understand how danger works, apparently. <laughs> he understands, but his friends are more important. Oh, okay. And so he will just run headlong into anything. So Dixie, you were saying you are currently playing in a game of good society. Yeah, um, I'm not currently playing in it. I have played it recently. It is super, super, super fun, though. Um, if, if, if you're into Jane Austen and like also like Regency type stuff, because uh, it, it's a lot of social intrigue. Um, but we're also, we've been playing with the uh, Supernatural add-on. That lets you have magic and fairies and stuff. Oh, interesting! So, yeah, it's 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 really really cool. I am uh, I'm a big fan of all of our little like powers. Like me, one of the other characters had the powers to like swap bodies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my character was supposed to be the kind of like not good at talking to people person, and she's better at it. So every time that I had to like go talk to a person, I would just have her do it instead. <laughs> and then I would just like hang around in her body, being nosy. It was fun. Nice. Does it yeah, have like a it. does it have an established setting or is it very much up to the GM to come up with that? It is supposed to be in like like time of Jane Austen in like that that society type thing. Yeah. But uh we we moved it to Regency because Bridgerton came out recently. And so mm. everybody wanted to play in Regency, so we played in Regency. Also you fill out a questionnaire at the beginning that asks what kind of like gender dynamics you want to have. So you can play in a version where, like, it's kind of like it was then, where, like, you know, it's like men have to ask the women to dance or whatever. Um, but you can also flip it completely or play it so everybody's equal. So, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Cool. Oh, very nice. And how about you, Eddie? Uh, you did say you were playing or have been playing in a D&D Descent into Avernus campaign. Uh, yeah, and that's been a lot of fun. We've been playing that through um, uh, both D&D Beyond and Roll20. Um also, the game that's starting back up uh, is another 5e game, um, which uses the service uh, Dungeon in a Box, uh, where um, you get sent a small box every month, which has a module and a map and uh, a couple of plastic miniatures, and you just kind of run the module more or less as is, and they're all linked together. So like over the course of a year, you get 12 adventures that are more or less flow into each other. Um, so we're going to pick that up because we now have lots of boxes in our house that we need to get through. <laughs> um, uh, I'm starting up a D&D 3rd edition uh, Planescape game a friend of mine's running. Uh, oh. And uh, I was like, okay. They, they're just familiar with 3rd uh, edition. They don't necessarily want to learn 5th edition. So they like, just used 3E. I'm like, oh, okay. It's been yeah, a while yeah. since I looked at this. <laughs> um, and, I think it uh, holds up perfectly well. Uh, um, it, it's been interesting just I just kind of unlearn some stuff that I've learned uh, how much I've learned with 5e it's like oh I you know the advantages and a thing you know stuff like that um, and there's a lot more skills that kind of things yeah, otherwise, yeah oh I mean, yeah there's definitely cool. skill bloat in third edition they certainly improved on that with 3.5 
Uh, but, right, like, do I need to put yeah. into ride animal kind of thing? Well, innuendo um, is the best skill that no one ever uses. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, but um, that, this is going to be because it's, it's meant to be kind of a hard-boiled detective take on Planescape, so we're going to, like, run around Planescape and solve murders. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of thing I'm, I do want to play in. Um, so, of course, I'm playing uh, uh, Elf Sherlock Holmes, which is going to be great. <laughs> that's great. Um, he is a cleric of the God of Knowledge, um, which of will explain why. <laughs> he, he, why he's like, I, I'm obsessed with knowledge because that's what my God demands. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, so that explains why you're weirdly mm-hmm. disconnected from people. Uh, so that'll be fun to play. Uh, but aside from that, um, uh, I wrapped up my Marvel Superheroes game, uh, and so uh, we were going to play a game of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, um, which is going to be hacked a little bit to play more kind of uh, Battle of the Bands by way of She-Ra. So science fantasy um, where we're rockers taking on the Empire slash evil record label mm-hmm. uh, and, and just having fun adventures. Um, but Interwoven in that, we've also been testing out uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, I'm sorry, Sentinel Comics RPG, which is basically Sentinels of the Multiverse card game. Uh, and that is a really fun superhero game. Uh, there's some really interesting mechanics that uh, I need to learn more about. But um, the one that really struck me was uh, in a lot of superhero games, it doesn't necessarily punish you for using powers, but it makes it not immediately obvious that powers are always the best answer because like you're a superhero. You want to use your powers. Mm. Um, and so this game, the only actions you can take involve superpowers. Otherwise, it's assumed you just do it because you're that competent. Uh, but the other thing yeah. is also you can't use certain powers at certain times. Um, so each scene has uh, eight beats. You go through eight exchanges. Uh, and the first two are called green. Um, so you can use all of your green powers, which are usually your, your weaker setup powers. Um, and then the middle four are your yellow beats, um, which means you can activate your slightly more powerful yellow powers. And the last two are the red beats, which means you can activate your most powerful powers. Uh, if you do not defeat the villains by the end of the last red beat, then you lose. So there is an interesting, every fight is tense. Yeah, I like that sense mm-hmm. of urgency in, in a combat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not for every game, but for a superhero game, it, it, it helps. To, okay, I'm just going to keep punching him until he falls down. It's like, okay, no, I, if I keep punching him, I, I'm not going to take him down in eight turns. So we have to come up with a bigger strategy to try mm. to, to, to change the scope of the field. And also, it's a game that very heavily leverages things like the environments uh, and uh, the way the game is designed, at least when we played in, there's always a secondary goal on top of defeat the villains. So you can't just defeat the villains. You have to also do something else on top of that. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of really interesting design that went into making this feel as much like a comic book as possible, but also specifically like the card game it was based off of, which is something I had not seen before. I had, I've seen like, oh, these do media, like Princess Gambit, for example. Princess Gambit is taking Vampire the Masquerade and going a different direction. But Princess Gambit doesn't necessarily feel like the vampire tabletop game. It feels like, a card game that has some LARP component elements mm-hmm. to it, but um, this is a first time where it's like, oh no, it feels much like the card game is based off. So the mechanics are, without using cards, evocative of the kinds of things you would do in the card game. Like if you are knocked unconscious, there's still an action you can take every turn, which is a very distinct mechanic from the card game. Um, so I'm in the process of reading that when I have time, um, but that that's one of those games, those rare games where it's like, I'm enjoying playing it, but also separately my design brain is really eager to kind of pick it apart and see what it's doing. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear, do you think, because that sounds like an awful lot of uh, mechanics almost uh, working independently, do, do you think it hangs together uh, um, in an elegant way? Or uh, what, what kind of impression are you getting from it from a game design perspective? I think it really does because for, for a couple of reasons. One is um, you only have five abilities slash skills. Uh, abilities and skills are kind of rolled together into the same thing. So you only have five things you roll off of. And your power is key off of one of those five things. Um, so it's always you add a die from that, you add a die from your power, and you add a die from how damaged you are. Um, and you also have green, yellow, and red damage codes. So if you're in red damage, even if you're in a green state, you can still use your red powers because you're getting close to death. 
quote unquote death. Hmm. Um, and some characters that die code gets decreases. Some characters that die code increases as they get damaged. Depends on the kind of character you're playing. So you just add one die from each of those. Um, but also there's a big counter at the top. You just keep moving that along so everyone can see what state they're in. Uh, so it does in- require a lot more of the players talking, collaborating, and figuring out their status. Because it also uses things like Popcorn Initiative, like Pugmire does. So I'll go, then you go, then somebody else will go. Um, uh, so there's a lot more, okay, I should go first because I can use my power. Um, don't heal me because I'm in yellow, so I can use my yellow power for one more turn, which is more beneficial for the third person over there. Uh, so there's a lot more of that happening. But again, that's evocative of the way you play the card game because it's a cooperative card game. Yeah. Um, so it takes a minute to wrap your head around it. it. It definitely, the first time we played, it was just like, okay, I'm not quite sure what's happening here. But once you actually play through an entire scene, it really does click very well. And within an hour, we were bouncing through, like we've been playing this game forever. So it, it, it does ramp up. The learning curve is, is, is very shallow. Um, it, it, it exists, it is there. Um, and it definitely makes you have to unthink some way that other role-playing games are played. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's doing them an interesting and, and compelling. Like, for example, um, you roll three dice. Uh, unless the power or effects is otherwise, you pick the middle die. So I roll three different dice, but I pick the middle results. So I'm, I've, I'm not generally seen that. I've not seen that before. Yeah, and it's interesting because basically it's, yeah. okay, so I'm, I'm going to roll an incredible to average, but some powers are like, um, you can use the max die for damage or you can use the mid die for damage and the the low die to heal your friend or something like that. So there's lots of playing with those values, hmm. which is interesting. And so it's like, okay, well, my power, um, uh, I it uses the, the low die, but I want to actually make sure that my lowest die is still like a pretty high code, like a D8 or a D6, because I want to get a relatively high value on that. Whereas, the, oh, well, this one's a max die, so I, the other ones can be D4s for all I care, but as long as I get D12 or something out there for that max die, it's probably going to hit pretty strong. So you're also manipulating the dice in a way than just more than just, I want to use the biggest die the whole time. So there's, again, and it's subtle. It's, it's The game doesn't tell you this is how it's played, but when you start playing it, you go, oh, well, naturally my tactics are going to be to manipulate things on this level. So it, it, it it's it's genuinely clever, I think. Well, no, that sounds excellent. I will be looking into that, certainly. Uh, in terms of what I've been playing and running, uh, I'm, I've am i actually just started playing a game of Mouse Guard. Yes, Eddie, I am playing oh. a, a different anthropomorphic uh, animal game uh, than you, one of yours. But what, do you, what do you think about Mouse Guard? <laughs> uh, well, I've only just started, uh, but oh. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I found the character creation system very interesting uh, in uh, different to anything else that I've been playing around with recently. Uh, I've okay. ended up, uh, because uh, as as a general rule in this game, you are playing members of the eponymous Mouse Guard. You patrol mm. your part of the forest to, uh, to protect your people from the terrible weasels, and your characters aren't really meant for combat because you're mice. So right. the the kinds of animals that are likely to attack you are also likely to kill you <laughs> because they tend right. to be considerably bigger than you. Uh, so your your use of a weapon and your ability to use it is primarily against other mice if you have to, and maybe the occasional bug. Uh, and they don't have the same level of sentience as you do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm playing the patrol leader, uh, and I have got a fat white mouse. Uh, I named him <laughs> Snowball after the uh, pig in Animal Farm, nice. and you get to uh, get to choose the color of your cloak. It has to say something about your personality. If you're into color theory, I went for a burnt orange color, and uh, I have an interest in carpentry. And so my thing is, I like to go around building cabins and lodges and things like that in the woods, so that there's lots of nice safe houses for mice to scurry into uh, if uh, if they're ever being pursued. Uh, and it's a game that makes you think about the use of skills in within the setting. It isn't just a skill on a page, you know? Mm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm 
I'm finding that a lot of fun. Uh, as as you mentioned earlier, I'm also running lots of games. I run lots of games for my Patreons. And I also run games for my regular gaming group, although that's the one I'm now playing with because the Great Pen Dragon campaign has concluded, at least this phase of it, with the Age of Uther coming to an end. King Uther died on the battlefield instead of being poisoned in his hall, along with every other lord. Uh, but uh, that was the way things went in our story. Uh, it still led nice. to an anarchy period. And the Saxons haven't all been uh, driven out to the sea, as Uther kept promising, uh, because the battle didn't go quite as planned in the book. Uh, the Great Pendragon campaign often gets a lot of praise uh, as uh, as part of the Pendragon RPG, because it's one of the most complete story arcs for a role-playing game. It takes you all the way, well, across about 100 years almost of right. gameplay. Uh, so that your characters can play through Uther's reign, the Anarchy, uh, King Arthur, and maybe after that as well. And I enjoy it a great deal. I've enjoyed running it, but I will say that by its nature, it also has a very linear focus, uh, because, of course, if you start killing the named characters before they are due to die, you will get into future encounters that can no longer take place in the way described mm -hmm. uh, but that that's i would say that's the case in any sizable adventure path you know it's up to the gm to improvise and read ahead and think okay well, what character can i slot in here to keep this interesting or what scenario can i make up uh, to fill the gap so right. i'm looking forward to picking that up again but it won't be anytime soon um but yeah, other than that, I'm running the 20 Dark Ages, uh, Cthulhu by Gaslight, Call of Cthulhu, Worldwide Wrestling. We've just started a campaign of that in New nice. Portland Wrestling. It's the early 80s. And uh, I, I stole the uh, Federation name from another game of uh, Worldwide Wrestling I was playing. Helpfully, NPWs are your non-player wrestlers. So NPW, as in New <laughs> Portland Wrestling, <laughs> is uh, quite... <laughs> Uh, quite an easy one to remember. But yeah, I've got some... The players of that game have already come up with some fantastic characters. They are playing in this real uh, low-rent wrestling federation that doesn't have a TV deal yet, but they are angling for one. They've just had to record their first-ever televised promos that are going to be appearing in commercial breaks uh, at some godforsaken time at night. But they're mm -hmm. hoping that it will drum up enough interest. They basically secured the rights for a pilot, and it's very much going to be playing by ear, but otherwise they're still going to be playing in gyms, and we're wrestling in gyms, school uh, halls and churchyards, county fairs and that kind of thing. And their first, uh, their first event that they are prepping for is, it was going to be called Chaos in the Churchyard because the person who runs New Portland <laughs> Wrestling doesn't understand the difference in the CH. And how that isn't as alliterative as he thinks it is. Chaos in the churchyard. Or chaos in the churchyard. But yes, someone, one of the players came up with a, uh, a different version of that, which has now sold the event. There's going to be lots of old people attending. And we have uh, <laughs> Hilda the Valkyrie is our um, sort of uh, our high flyer. Uh, she's from Southern California, but she's blonde and wears a horned helmet when she comes to the ring. She is managed by the uh, by Mistress DVS or Devious. Uh, interestingly, Hilda is a face, but Devious is a heel, so she's a face with oh, a heel manager. So presumably, the fun. manager is going to be cheating without Hilda knowing. So Hilda thinks that she's succeeding honestly. Uh, so kind of a have... Bobby the Brain oh, no. while teaching um, Dante the Giant kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Taking advantage of Hilda's innocence mm -hmm. and naivete. Uh, but yeah, we also have Bloodletter, a hardcore maniac who wears a hood and speaks in biblical passages. Uh, we have... Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, the professor who is the wily veteran who has never made it to the big time scene. Everyone else from the territory gets signed up by big companies and he's just left there looking like Doc Brown and Back to the Future. And yeah, uh, and with them we have the Nuke, 
who has a great big nuclear warning symbol painted on his face. He's the he's the monster heel for the Federation <laughs> and just goes around smashing people and saying, the nuke is going to explode and that kind of thing. But it's it's great wow. fun. Wrestling RPGs always are, I think. They yeah. just work so perfectly with the role-playing uh, framework. And, of course, we've got NWE coming up. Uh, I was so actually that... recently re-watching um, Lucha Underground and I've been tempted to run an NWE game using lucha underground as a basis so like rather than nova powers to, you're just you're an aztec god and you're in a wrestling ring because reasons and that's just how it is yeah yeah uh, i'm very much looking forward to seeing how people uh, react to nwe because i think it's a fantastic mm-hmm. game uh, i'm really proud of the work that was put into that one uh so other than role-playing games uh, we also play video games and dixie i know you play a lot of video games yeah, uh, that's my main outlet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been playing recently? Uh, so I've been playing a lot of uh, Star Wars The Old Republic uh, with my boyfriend, or by myself even, because um, I have a character for each class. <laughs> uh, and that's been really fun. I've, I've super enjoyed that. It is a free-to-play game, but I have subscribed just because I wanted to do the subscriber benefits, and I was playing enough that I was like, eh, I'm just going to subscribe for a little bit. Uh, so it's the first MMO that I subscribed to in a while. Wow. Uh, but I'm just doing it in little, like, you know, one month installments and being like, yeah, maybe I'll renew it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. It's fun. Uh, but, but having a really, really good time with that. I, I am a Star Wars fan from way back. I couldn't play KOTOR because by the time someone tried to get me to play KOTOR, it had been out for so long that, like, I, I couldn't handle the graphics. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, like, playing, playing KOTOR after you've played, like, Mass Effect or Assassin's Creed Odyssey or whatever. It's like, uh, I can't do this. Um, I do wish they would remaster it because I would love to play it. I will say that um, at least KOTOR 2 on Steam, uh, they have opened up to Steam Workshop, so Mm. it's allowed for Steam modding, and there are some graphics patches through that. Yeah, which that I might be able to do. We'll see. Uh, But I've been enjoying the Old Republic. I like the MMO aspect. I like seeing other people running around, even if I'm not interacting with them all the time. Um, And I like getting to run around with my boyfriend and do quests together. Uh, So that's that's been a lot of fun. I I, I enjoy this MMO more than I thought I would because it has the kind of morality choices that, like, um, Mass Effect has. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where like you actually have cutscenes and you talk to people and you make light side and dark side choices and stuff, and that's not something that I've seen really in an MMO. Usually MMOs it's just walls of text that you have to read, you know. Right. Uh, so that's that's very cool, and I enjoy that. And also, I enjoy that it lets you see the other players' cutscenes. So like, if if my boyfriend is talking to somebody, I'm just you know kind of in the room, and I can see what he's deciding, which is nifty. Uh, so besides that, I have been playing. We mentioned this in last week's episode. I've been playing a lot of Genshin Impact since Monica mentioned it mm-hmm. um, as as an exalted inspiration. And oh my god, is it an exalted inspiration? Like I am, oh, yeah. I am a tiny anime girl running around with a sword that's as big as I am, just smashing things, uh, and it is incredibly satisfying to me. Uh, Genshin Impact is free if anyone wants to play it. It's literally a game like. It's, it's it's Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed meets a little bit of Three Houses. Oh. Like it's it's very fun. Um, yes, it is also incredibly anime as far as how the characters are dressed and how they talk and everything. Uh, it is also a gacha game, which, uh, as people may know, means that you have to do pulls on like a, a lottery thing essentially to get new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you don't get super into that and, and you don't do it all that often. The, the base game gives you enough characters to play through the game without having to like do tons of gacha pulls and you will get some gacha pulls for free. You, you don't have to like pay real money for them if you don't want to. Um, if you play long enough, as I think like Monica Specca has it, uh, you, you will eventually just get all the characters if you play enough. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's got, got some co-op modes that I haven't tried out yet. Okay. Uh, but Monica said like, yeah, I'll come like help you beat big bosses. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Uh, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Like, I I actually downloaded it a few months ago, and I tried it, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to play this right now. And after Monica talked about it being Exalted and all the hype for Exalted Essence, I pulled it up, and I spent a lot of last weekend playing it. Yeah. <laughs> and just just running around. It is, it, it is definitely a, a me kind of game, because I like, 
I like games that have quests, but that are also sandboxy. So it's like, oh, there's quests and you can do the quests, but also there's random world puzzles and random events across the map and random things to find. And I really like games that let me do that as part of why I like the Assassin's Creed game so much. Right. It's because like I can follow the quest line or I can just like fuck off across the map and be like, what's over here? Uh, which yeah. is a lot of what I've been doing in Genshin Impact is I'm like, I'm like, what's this thing on my map? I'm going to go look at it. And then I'll find like a little puzzle and be like, oh, a puzzle. And I'll do a little puzzle and then I'll, you know, get a, a treasure chest or whatever. And yeah. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. It is it, it is scratching a lot of itches. I'll probably be playing that for a little while as my like main solo game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 where I'm at right now. So slightly different answer from the one I gave on our previous recording, because since then I have played several hours of Genshin Impact. That's all right. It just just means less uh, less links to put in the show notes. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, fewer links. Uh, Eddie, y'all y'all keep correcting each other's grammar in this episode. Like I never do that to y'all. I know we do it. Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care how y'all uh, talk. I feel bad. Uh, it's because we feel conscious around you, self conscious uh, around you, Dixie, knowing that you are the preeminent editor in this industry. Yeah, but I don't edit like I talk. I I don't I don't always speak properly. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, I I just I just worry that you're judging me. And so, well, I mean, I mean, I regardless, for entirely different different reasons. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, deservedly so. What about you, Eddie? What are you playing? Um. So, uh, I have I have been rest- I have restarted uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, I talked about it in a previous episode um, where I was playing it last year and then COVID hit and then I just wasn't comfortable playing a police officer character for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Disco Elysium, you're a very bad police officer and that really does help. Um, you Also, just you not... can choose to give up being a cop at some point. Right. I mean, you, you, you could can be like, fuck this, sort of the You actually deal with, you know, racists and, and the likes. I mean, there's lots of reasons why it, it's it's not as concerning as that was at the time, um, but also it's just delightfully weird in a way that I find uh, approachable. It's also very hard at the beginning <laughs> um, because I keep making choices. Oh, nope, I'm out of morale. I'm done. It's like, oh, crap, so I have to start over again, um, which the first time bothered me, but now is not bothering me as much because I've realized that Disco Elysium's default mode is failure. It is yeah. assumed that you will fail a lot at everything. Um, and that's just an interesting change of pace from a, most video game role-playing games. You're a very competent character, and this one, you are very not a competent character. Yeah, the first time my boyfriend played, he had a heart attack trying to get the um, tie off the fan. I also died from that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first thing you do in the game, for those of you who don't know. Like, you like wake up from a, 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 a bender. Like you have mm-hmm. just been on a bender. You have amnesia, and if if you choose to get dressed, you don't have to. You could just be a naked cop if you want to. But yeah. there's a tie on your ceiling fan, and if you try to grab it without turning the fan off, you have a very low chance of grabbing it, and you can die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I've also uh, been off and on poking at the uh, the various Lego games. Uh, I just those find are these- so fun and chill. Yeah, they're they're very chill. Um, uh, I don't have to follow the story. It's just I go around and break stuff and occasionally punch the people and solve light puzzles. Yeah. And also, generally, you're like playing like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Indiana Jones or whatever. It's like you know the story, <laughs> right? Um, although uh, I've also uh, in that I, I, I bought bundles, so I, with that I got the uh, Ninjago movie one. I'm like, I've never seen the Ninjago movie. I don't know anything about it. I played it, and it's kind of interesting because it's a Lego brawler uh, in the sense that mm-hmm. there are certain button push codes that you use to do certain moves. So it's, again, very light, okay. it's not, um, not a major amount of move memorization, but it's still – there's enough there that it's it's interesting. Um, so it's I've actually been really enjoying that one. Um, but no, the big one, the big RPG I've been playing uh, has been uh, Octopath Traveler, uh, and that was – Mostly on Matthew's recommendation, uh, but it's a new game that's done in the style of 16-bit Nintendo games, which is a well-trod genre, to be perfectly fair. 
but this one does some interesting stuff. Uh, so, like for one, the it's visually very interesting. The characters are in 16-bit style, but the background is in a 3D style. Uh, and it's a very interesting blend that, that works surprisingly well in a way that it probably shouldn't. Um, but also you have you can play up to eight different characters and each one has their own separate story that doesn't have there's a bit of overlap between the stories, but not a lot. So it's really playing like an anthology of eight characters all set in the same world. Uh, and it's and the combat's genuinely it's not mind-bendingly hard, uh, but I can't just spam A and defeat characters. I have to think at least a little bit for every single combat, which means I can't play mm -hmm. it for long periods of time. But again, because it's eight different disconnected stories, I can pick it up, play for an hour, get to the next act of a character story and set down and feel like I've accomplished something. It's very good for, for a Switch game, especially. It's very good to kind of pick up and set down style of gameplay, which I liked about um, Three Houses, is I could pick it up, I could play a mm -hmm. battle, set it down. And, and it's that same kind of pick up and play things. Whereas something like Disco Elysium, I feel like I have to kind of commit a couple of hours to get into a groove and, and get some progress on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I am with like Genshin right now is I can like hop in and do like a thing and then mm -hmm. be like, oh, like, you know how sometimes you're just like not feeling work for a second. Yep. I can like stop for half an hour, play for half an hour while I like have a snack or something and then go back to work. I'd mm -hmm. be like, okay, that was a nice little break. You know, like I yep. went and I like teleported to a thing and I fought some monsters and then I logged off and it was fine. Mm -hmm. But yes, yeah. with like Disco Elysium, like I, I always feel like I need to commit two or three hours to it so I can like get into the story. Right. Uh, and then also just yesterday, um, based on the recording that got lost, um, I've actually been picking up Mario Kart again and trying to remember how it all works. <gasps> We should play again sometime. It's yeah, been you're so get, long. That means you're getting an advantage over us, Eddie. This will not stand. Dixie well, and I will now start. We have to start, start playing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just remembered oh, no, no. how 100 100 meter speed goes. So, I mean, like advantage, as in, like, yes, I may not be in fifth place anymore consistently. No, you might be fourth. Right. <laughs> getting dangerously are, close to those cups. Our problem is that. Matthew is just really good at video games, in my opinion. Like, I, I, I yeah. feel like you're just better at the Switch and at games in general than I am for, like, Twitchy games. But I've been playing Mario Kart since I was 11 years old. <laughs> so I've got the, like, time advantage. Because I played Mario Kart a lot from the ages mm. of, like, 11 to 20. And I have neither of these, so. I used no, to enjoy playing true. on the Wii with a little steering wheel attachment. Oh wow! Yeah, I loved that the Mario Kart Wii. Uh, I think it's it was really considered fun. one of the less good Mario Karts in the great scheme of things, but I really enjoyed it at the time. I I liked it. My 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 friends and I used to get together and play until it destroyed friendships. Well, that, that's that's <laughs> you should ideally be turning it off before that happens. But I no, guess it. <laughs> it never actually did, but I've had quite a few, um, mostly mostly guy friends of mine, get real annoyed that I kicked their ass at Mario Kart, and I'm like, you know what? Like this was the game that my mom and I would play for like hours when I was a kid. Mm. Like mm. we would just play Mario Kart so much to where I, I got so used to the controls that I'm pretty good at it. Um, and yeah, few few of my friends didn't like that, and I was like, oh well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I find myself more at ease losing at games, both video games and uh, board games, than winning. I find uh, I know we, because we've developed up a rapport regarding Mario Kart because we were playing it for a good six months to a year mm -hmm. uh, on the Switch. Uh, I don't mind winning that. You know, I feel like I can sort of put on the false bravado a bit. Right. And it's not yeah, going to yeah. hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, but usually if I win a game, I I almost don't know what to do with myself if I'm doing it competitively. Whereas if I lose, I can enjoy the moan, the the over-the-top, oh, God, <laughs> you know. Uh, that, that, for me, is part of the enjoyment of playing a game, almost. It's the griping. <laughs> um, <laughs> if only I had gotten a blue shell. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I've not been playing Mario Kart, but now I should. Uh, I have been playing... So I've been playing a bit of Blasphemous, which Ooh, is that? also... It's got a bit of a 16-bit vibe to it. I would almost say it's more 
Sega. It was called the Mega Drive over here. I think it might have been called the Genesis, Genesis in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got more of that golden axe-like aesthetic than oh, the cool. uh, than the Super Nintendo. Um, but it's a how best to describe it? It's like you're role, It's like you're playing a Metroidvania set in a Hieronymus Bosch painting. It's got a very <laughs> heavy metal feel to it, uh, played on a Spanish guitar. Every single wow. person you are facing is, has been tortured and is some kind of biblical monstrosity. Like there will be someone who has been severed down the middle. Uh, from head to head to groin and is throwing a spiked halo at you as a weapon. <laughs> there are there wow. are self flagellants. There's a man who is in a broken massive church bell who will just try ramming at you. He will just run towards you and go bong when he hits the wall. It's it has got a very clear aesthetic all of its own. I recommend people check it out because I don't think it's there for everyone. It's very bloody. Uh, but it's certainly a trip. I recommend it. Um, but beyond that, I'm mostly beholden to what my son wants to play on the Switch these days. Uh, now that he is very much into Super Mario Maker 2, uh, he will make the levels, I will play them. And uh, oh. that is always frustrating when he makes the levels and they are unwinnable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh on Dixie's recommendation, I purchased Immortals: Phoenix Rising as well, hoping yeah, to, fun. yeah, hoping to wean him off of Mario Maker because he really loved Breath of the Wild and the shrine searching and puzzles and so on. And as Immortals: Phoenix Rising has got that Breath of the Wild's open worldy puzzle solving aesthetic, but it also has Greek myths uh, deeply oh. entrenched in it, as as well as an excellent sense of humor. Thank you for recommending that. Uh, yeah, totally. It was. Uh, it's excellent to have Zeus and Prometheus narrating your character's journey as you're playing and arguing with each other. Arguing the what... whole time. <laughs> yeah. um, even even yeah. when you create your character in the middle or in in the beginning, they're like commenting on your choices. So <laughs> and like they're all gross. It's not like it's not like oh green like the color of leaves. It's like green like the color of old olives. And I'm yes. like that's. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> yeah, the first time uh, each of the... So in Breath of the Wild, you have shrine puzzles. You basically enter this underground temple-like structure. There'll be a puzzle, you get a spirit orb at the end of it. It allows you to gain extra hearts and things like that. In Immortals Phoenix Rising, very similar. You descend through a gateway into Tartarus and have to solve a puzzle, you gain some of Zeus's lightning, mm -hmm. hopefully a special weapon, that kind of thing. The first time you drop down into one of them, Prometheus starts narrating, because that's what he likes to do. He likes to tell stories. And he says, um, She didn't know where she was. It was dark, and there were spirits raging around her. And Zeus says, She's in Tartarus. It could have been anywhere. <laughs> Any nightmare that she could have dreamt of could be this... It's Tartarus. No, she will not know. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend it. I think that's uh, it's a wonderful game, and I think it's available on pretty much every platform at this point. Uh, so yeah. yeah, we have we have exceeded the hour mark, and I know that Eddie has a hard out today. So yeah, I suggest that uh, having discussed all the games we're playing, uh, we should now tell people that never mind them buy games bionics path right uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well to add a sort of a bit of a coda the we, we we play a lot of our games of course i run a a hell of a lot of one shots of our games for various groups online and mm. it's it's interesting that recently i've fallen into campaigns of games that aren't Bionic's Path. And in a sense, that's refreshing because uh, I, I love our games, I love working on them, but at the same time, because I spend all day with my head buried in them, I don't necessarily want to spend my evenings with my head buried in them every single week right. either. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there's an exception to that. Uh, for instance, I did run a three-parter of They Came From Classified, uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> Did, yeah, 
what is the name of that mysterious game recently? And we should tell so, somebody, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who knows? We might talk about it at Onyx PathCon. You never know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but that went so well. Really pleased with how they came from classified turned out say, in manuscript. Now that it's off to editing, uh, I think it's the the cleanest of the they came from so far, as it should be, as this is an iterative process. But mm-hmm. anyway, anyway. Uh, so if people wanted to find you online, Dixie, where would they go? They can find me in most places at Dixie Cyanide. That's you know, Twitter, Instagram, various discords that I'm in. Uh, or you can look me up at DixieCochran.com. Uh, how about you, Eddie? Uh, you can find me at um, PugSteady.com. Uh, you can find me at uh, PugSteady on Twitter as well. Or you can find me hanging out in the Honest Path Discord, usually in the Pathcast channel. Yeah, I'm there too. And they can find me on MatthewDawkins.com. They can, of course, find my Patreon at Patreon.com slash MatthewDawkins. They can find me on the Onyx Path Discord. They can find me on Twitter at DawkinsMP. I'm all over the place. You might look for a Matthew Dawkins, but I'm not that Matthew Dawkins. There's lots of other Matthew Dawkins, but I'm this one. So with that said, many worlds, one (laughs) 